Welcome to Stutter Stories, where guests from around the world each share the ins, outs, ups, and downs of life and conversation as a person who stutters. Hosted by Tricia Hedinger and Ja Ben. Research in stuttering is constantly progressing, though maybe not as fast and furious as we'd like it to. Dr. Gerald McGuire, however, has been on a lifelong quest to help people who stutter. Dr. McGuire is the professor and founding chair of psychiatry for the American University of Health Sciences School of Medicine in California. He is the principal investigator of CENXL, the global medical director for iStutter, and the chair of research and development for the World Stuttering Network. Every day, he uses his knowledge, training, resources, and personal experience to move the field forward. He is the front runner in pharmacological treatment of stuttering. Dr. McGuire has discussed this that at this time, there is no medication that is FDA approved for stuttering, but he continues to push science forward to further explore how a combination of medication and talk therapy may benefit individuals who stutter. Let's welcome Dr. Gerald McGuire. Hi, Jerry. How are you today? Hey, Trisha. Doing great. Thank you so much. appreciate this opportunity. Yeah. For those of you out there who don't know, uh, Dr. Gerald McGuire and I served together on the World Stuttering Network uh, Board of Directors, and he is the Director of Research and Development. So, Jerry, if you could tell us what even brought you into the world of stuttering research? Well, what brought me, thank you so much, Trisha, honor me to present. And uh, what brought me into the world of stuttering research were my parents. My mom stuttered as a, as a girl, mildly stutters today, and her brothers stuttered, my uncles, and my older brother did. And my dad stuttered as a child. So, what I like to say is, some they got together. Mm-hmm. I was born, and when I began to talk, I stuttered. Mm-hmm. So, that's what got me here as a person who stutters. And then uh, mm-hmm. into this world, kind of that drive as a young child, like what is different? What is unique with me? How is it different? You know, why I'm in kindergarten. I know I'm, I think I'm smart than this kid next to me, but he can somehow speak more easily, but I can't. So then that might, yeah. And with my parents, both being in the healing professions, my mom is a registered nurse and my dad is an MD. I think that was just kind of that natural progression. Mm-hmm. for me. Oh, yeah. Hmm. yeah. And so, so that kind of brought you into stuttering research broadly. How about, right. how did you progress into the study of pharmacological treatment of stuttering? You well, you know, what's interesting, right? So as a person, you know, growing up as a, as a child who stutters, of course, I, you know, go into speech therapy at a very young age, right. And mm-hmm. seeing the benefits of that. Um, but then also seeing that, you know, how was it and seeing what my dad's work uh, that, one could utilize more than just words to help people with conditions of the brain. And I Mm. uh, was committed to go to medical school. I wanted to kind of solve this mystery, like what's unique about me and others. Uh, And then when I went to undergraduate at UC Davis, I was taking some biochemistry courses. And I think I joined uh, NSP then. I, I think it was a little small group. It was in the 80s and this other guy got together and I eventually talked to John Allbeck and I was, yeah, I was part of that one of the original campus groups at UC Davis. And so mm-hmm. kind of with that, then when I was studying more, 
about how not just medicines, but other biological treatments could, I took a, a physiological psychology class mm -hmm. in undergraduate and to talk about, well, they don't have to be mutually exclusive, that the psychologist was talking about how talk therapy and certain biologic therapies work synergistically. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, okay, I've had some benefit from talk therapy as a, as a child and even as an adolescent and a young adult and seeing the help from my support. How could one add? So in learning about even an undergraduate and later in medical school about the benefits of what's called the biopsychosocial model, doing the talk therapy, but then how that can add adjunctively if a biologic therapy is there. I said, well, God, this is kind of missing in psychiatry. Mm. I'm missing stuttering, I should say. And then when I was in medical school, just graduating, I was interested in, in like, could there be some beneficial uh, way that an MD could complement with the other disciplines helping people who stutter? And there was a, a, a review paper from a professor of psychiatrist at university at, at Penn, uh, John Paul Brady, who wrote about there have been some attempts to to treat stuttering in a pharmacologic way. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was just kind of this natural progression. I love to teach myself. And of course, the challenge in medical school was mm -hmm. that, you know, don't be a psychiatrist, people told me, because you're going to make your patients nervous and angry. I felt that oh. found it exactly the opposite. My patients have felt that, you know, I was open and honest. And um, so with that, so that, that was that progression of how I kind of came and kind of this mission. And, you know, I, I will say this, I became even more um, driven uh, to help, you know, help people who's, who stutter. Um, my older brother stuttered and uh, of course he's been, um, it'll be very, uh, it was just uh, 20 years ago this past week that he actually uh, passed away and mm. he was my older brother, uh, my, my mentor. And he, he passed as a, a victim of suicide, actually, I think in a lot of significant effects um, with how stuttering affected him and how he dealt with it. And I just know that there's a lot of people out there struggling. Yeah. Um, and even though, you know, we have these different tools out there, it's, I will say this for stuttering and for those who I uh, help or treat, I should say, or try, um, it's not a one size fits all stuttering. We are diverse within our own community. And I think the approaches have to have a, a autonomy of how people can get there and have as ever. And I think it's, has not been, uh, you know, right in the uh, medical or healthcare field that um, other conditions allow interdisciplinary care, but stuttering has kind of uh, missed that mark. And I just want to kind of bring that in and seeing how my brother yeah. struggled with others and, you know, how I've dealt with my own anxieties over the year, my own avoidances and say that it takes a a, an interdisciplinary approach to treat it. So that's why I'm here with this mission. Yeah. So thank you. I'm so sorry to hear about your brother and, and, and I yeah. hear you in saying, and I, I haven't, I guess I haven't really thought about it that way in that so many other disorders have um, different input and different collaborations yeah. amongst healthcare professionals. And you're right. Stuttering is really kind of very isolated in it's, yes. just, it's, it's speech therapy or or not or nothing right. and yeah. it's really it shouldn't be it shouldn't be like it shouldn't that. be because we think about that like for instance in swallowing disorder speech pathologists work closely with ent doctors right mm -hmm. in strokes speech pathologists work closely with neurologists mm -hmm. but it, 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 it there was a division and it occurred i think in the late 20s to 1930s so nearly a century ago mm -hmm. where the field split mm -hmm. and uh I think, you know, partly was that, you know, medicine began to ignore stuttering. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was also because we didn't find anything really that helped. Yeah. And so much, I think even now, and even to try to parts of speech therapy, it was like, okay, let's accept it. This is all we can do. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. I think acceptance is great. But mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people who's going to give up. There are still people right. who are struggling. I get emails every single day of people who, yeah, that may sound great. That's easy for me, but I need another tool doctor. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to, you know, I just like for the treatment of depression, mm-hmm. we know our, the treatment of obsessive compulsive disorder mm-hmm. that individuals, uh, studies have shown that combining different disciplines together for those who want it, have a better outcome, utilizing people from, you know, uh, support groups and individual talk therapy combined with certain medical approaches always seems to work better. But it, I have people with depression say, Hey, I don't want any pill. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about this. Is there anything natural? What can I do mm-hmm. in my lifestyle? That's fantastic. You meet them where mm-hmm. they are. Right. I just want to have those tools available. And you're right. We had that split, but I say, why not allow? And our, even our healthcare system is divided that by not supporting the care, this interdisciplinary care to mm-hmm. show that it's effective. So I think we should uh, be champions for this as, you know, mm-hmm. as a person who stutters, as a part of an advocate and those in the field is to reach out and get the whole discipline such yeah. that people have a choice in their care and that yes. we push the science forward. And really to me, any, the first step toward any treatment uh, or any recovery is acknowledgement and acceptance, be that yeah. depression, be that hypertension, whatever. Um, and that's where I am. And I think that's why I, I enjoy working with you and uh, and Tom and the whole team at WSN, because we have this open environment and exclusive and to talk mm-hmm. about, we'll provide any resource for you uh, to help you. Yeah, And that's what it's about. I and think. I, th- I think so much of the stuttering community is probably feeling skeptical about right. pharmacological right. Um, advancements and because of, you know, things didn't work in the past, but that's, yeah. that's moving science forward is to keep going, keep trying, see if maybe someday, you know, right. that's how science works, right? It, it does. That's how it works. And I think it's also because we haven't had the best, even through different forms of different talk there, thought of our mm-hmm. treatments kind of failed. I mean, mm-hmm. for for those who stutter, right? The mm-hmm. you know, different forms of trying to achieve fluency and so forth. And I don't think we need to say that the end game for pharmacologic treatment is fluency. Right. Could this also right. be what we've approached with others? You know, studies have shown that we people who stutter struggle with a higher level of social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Many of us also can have um, issues with attention and focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother was no exception on this one, depression. Mm-hmm. We're not immune. I mean, 20% of the population has depression. Um, generalized anxiety and social anxiety are very high. Mm-hmm. It's not So at times we want to look at how do we treat those other coexisting conditions for those who stutter to allow for the um, adjustment. I was just talking to uh, another therapist uh, and he was saying that, yeah, I had an individual come to my support group. And he was taking a medication of mine, but he was telling everybody else, he said, yeah, you know, this has allowed me to be able to come to the support group. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to get past the anxiety I of see. talking to others who stutter and being open. And now I'm able to achieve these next steps. Mm-hmm. So he was actually surprised and said, like, I was against pharmacologic therapy as a speech therapist. But he comes up like, wow, this is a guy who just showed up and said, hey, this is what I'm doing. And I'm here in your group now. And Apple actually 
approach and have acceptance because I've been able to go through. So that's why it's not one size. I'll even show you the pharmacologic treatments and how we measure stuttering. It's not one size fits all. Even with right. how we approach individuals with psychotherapy is not one size. So I think that's where we where we are to where we are to. And those are the challenges is, you know, how do you measure the effectiveness of stuttering? If it's based on fluency, you're all over the place because it varies so much on the time and how you measure that, but really on the impact of the person, which is, I think, where all of the field is going. How mm -hmm. does stuttering impact you? How do you, how do you improve your quality of life? Right. How do you, yeah, that, that's why, that's where I see these as uh, complementary practices, what's going on in the support group world, as uh, well as the, uh, uh, acceptance and commitment th therapies and how those can work in synergism. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell me, you've already touched on this a little bit, um, but what studies have been done in the past regarding um, the use of medication to treat stuttering and, and what were right. the results? Great, great. Th thank you so much. So we've had some um, smaller studies that have been done in the past. Uh, those are agents that probably single site studies, they weren't uh, what we call hugely powered with large sample sizes. So large conclusions couldn't be really drawn, mm -hmm. um, except there are, uh, there's fairly um, you know, convincing evidence, if I, I can't even use that term, that some agents that work on the dopamine system, particularly dopamine two, work in a subset of individuals who stutter in decreasing the scores. Like, you know, if I want to use the term, you know, decreasing the frequency of uh, stuttering events and the duration of stuttering, if you measure that, as well as some aspects of quality of life. Mm -hmm. These age, and, but, when, um, but none of those agents have gone through a larger multicenter process. Uh, we've had two agents that have gone through now large multi-center studies, which is like largely powered and things like that. So one of those was the one that we did in 2000. Some of those agents before were like olanzapine, risperidone, related compounds, aripiprazole. Aripiprazole is approved for uh, augmentation and depression. It's also approved for Tourette's mm -hmm. uh, uh, syndrome. So there's some evidence there that stuttering and Tourette's are similar. So many individuals have shown some benefit with that agent. Uh, but it hasn't been, it's not FDA approved. And we talk about FDA approved. Many of our compounds we use in medicine are not FDA approved for the condition itself, but are either some, you know, at least evidence based beyond it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the, uh, so they may be FDA approved medicines, but not particularly for that indication. And part of that has been that many companies and others, you know, hate to say it, you know, the, the worldwide uh, way of getting something approved through government agencies to have some industry sponsor behind it. I hate mm -hmm. to say that because even look at the COVID vaccine. So like Moderna vaccine was not invented by Moderna. It was invented by the Astros on Health. The AstraZeneca vaccine was not developed by it, but by Oxford University. So I hate to say it, you need like a company to go through the hundred millions of dollar process. So yeah. beyond that, you know, there's been two studies that companies have supported in the past through this problem. One was called Pagaclone and that was in the late mm -hmm. 2000. That one worked on GABA, which is interesting, which is a different neurochemical system. We believe that some individuals may have like a dopamine-based stuttering, Some, if we say that, or dopamine-mediated, GABA-mediated. GABA morally works on like the anxiety components. And we did show in the early studies a significant uh, effect on improvement. Our primary outcome, though, what we set to the FDA would be uh, the SSI scores and the percentage mm -hmm. of that in the lower study did show an improvement over placebo patients taking a fake pill. Okay. 
A larger phase study, we showed too much variability in the SSI4 score, and it didn't beat placebo because placebo also got better. Mm -hmm. But if we had made this primary endpoint social anxiety of stuttering, Mm -hmm. been, I would have been on the market, but because the FDA, so problems with the, wow, we, we measure stuttering. And this is a problem. I think a lot of the fields, we measure fluency as the outcome. If the person's coming into the, the visit, the clinic by the eighth visit every other week for 12, 16 weeks, they're all getting better. Uh -huh. we, I think we're more comfortable in the setting. So yes. is it a real, but then when we do more subjective scales where the individuals themselves are rating their speech. Mm -hmm. We don't see a placebo chain mm -hmm. people ourselves. So then we have to get that right scale. So the next study was with Ecopi Pam mm -hmm. and that we just completed. It's a dopamine one antagonist. So what's interesting about pegacolins, many individuals got better, but not enough where you have a group effect. Say you take a hundred people who stutter, 40 of them got really better, mm -hmm. right? Another 60%, you know, 40%, you know, had some mild improvement or what some didn't move at all or whatever, but it's not enough to drive the group effect, which tells me there's a diversity within stuttering. Right. It's not one single oh. condition and work by Peron and I and others have shown that there are different, even biologic underpinnings of why stuttering occurs. It could be an inflammatory response in some people, either genetic and other, and even Dennis Rainer's work, the genetic does not predict even the majority of cases of stuttering of the genes you identify. Mm -hmm. So it tells you that our approaches have to be different. So Ecopipam was done, and this is different than eripiprazole or lanzapine in that it works on the dopamine one system, a little different in that there's, it's a different receptor and it showed improvement in a subset of patients, but not enough on a group effect like we saw before to be placebo on that primary endpoint mm -hmm. of the SSI. Mm -hmm. So, that is, but it did show efficacy. Now I was in adults who stutter. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. The studies in adolescent Tourette's, and there's some thought that Tourette's and stuttering are similar in that they have an age of onset, about the same childhood. Mm -hmm. People with Tourette's can have, you know, uh, hesitations in their speech. We people who stutter can have tick-like motions when we block, mm -hmm. uh, similar male to female ratio. Some of the medicines seem to work similarly. So in adolescent Tourette's, that agent beat placebo. Okay. In adults who stutter on our endpoint, we did not, in a group effect, beat placebo. Mm -hmm. But it's one other thing to learn there is do the adolescent brain, do the adolescents respond better? Hmm. In other words, we've seen this even in speech therapy, the younger the individual, and it's maybe related to the plasticity of the brain that we're able to make more connections and alter that. So our thought is, I've always said, well, let me test it in adults because it'll be safer, you know, if there's any mm -hmm. side effect, but are we missing the mark? Right. Not Because the same thing with speech therapy, correct me, I'm wrong. Am I right, Tricia? Yes. We show better responses in the younger individuals, right? Mm -hmm. The brains are still forming mm -hmm. and connecting. We do get connections later. I am working on some other things, but may affect neuroplasticity and connections in the future. Mm -hmm. So that's been a challenge. So we are doing another study now with another agent. Uh, and this is a multi-center trial going through the FDA process. Mm -hmm. This is where we have uh, six sites around the United States and four sites in Australia. Mm -hmm. This is a, a, a medicine called Gemlopidec. I'm not going to type that. It's <laughs> sponsored by a Swiss company called Noema. They're working through the, what I call the contract research organization, Novatech, to keep, you know, the um, 
conflict of interest out. So we've we've got six study sites around the United States. Uh, we call it the Orpheus study. Uh, and we'll put that. So this agent works a little differently on dopamine in a different mechanism. There's no agent on the market like it. You can't mm-hmm. get this anywhere uh, except through the study. So that's going on, but we've modified the primary endpoint. In other words, what we're measuring, we're still mm-hmm. getting the SSI, right? Mm-hmm. Measuring that, but there's a new scale that uh, Gonzalo Leal and I have developed. It's a, it's a, uh, uh, 10 point scale that I will be publishing it. We're using this as the primary endpoint. We've gonna we finished the validation and it looks pretty good. But it really what it is, it's measuring the impact of stuttering on the person themselves, how they view. So it seems to be a very valid scale. And so we don't, I'm still blinded to the study. We're enrolling right now. And that's what's being done now. We're doing this. It's called the Orpheus study uh-huh. um, to measure the effects of this. And if this is positive, then we're going to go on. So that's kind of where we are. We've had three, and then we will be planning more studies. I will say that. So keep in touch. We'll you know, we'll use the vehicle of you know WSN and others to get the word out there when we have more research. And this is a these are going to be multi center studies. And there's others that I can't disclose yet because mm-hmm. I have these confidentiality agreements. And until uh, they're uh, published or made public. I'll let people know what's in the pipeline, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep going uh, with that. So, so that's kind of where we are. I know that's a long answer, but it was, uh, it was very thorough. We well, thank I, you. I, thank yeah. you. So sorry. If anyone would like yeah. to participate in the uh, in the Orpheus study, we will be posting the link. Will be posted. Um, for participation in the episode notes. So if anybody is interested in participating, you can go uh, to the episode description where you'll find the link and it'll tell you all about the study as well as um, how you can get involved and where the the study locations are. Exactly right. And so the the medicine works on a different mechanism called PDE-10, which works in a different way upstream on the dopamine system uh, such that one doesn't... uh, at least in some of the earlier trials and other conditions, wasn't associated with, uh, say, metabolic side effects like weight gain, et cetera, that some of the older dopamine agents can mm. be associated with. So that's some of the other thoughts behind it is that you have to have an agent that it's got to be, if it's gay, it's got to work. It's got to mm-hmm. be efficacious. And B, it's got to be tolerable. Mm-hmm. So that's where we kind of are. Now, eventually, my dream study will be medication alone as one mm-hmm. arm. Speech therapy alone is one arm, and then combining together. And if it's anything like we've seen with other conditions of the brain, that combination treatment, I think, would show the greatest effect for those. And that's, that's an that's excellent end game. That's where I'd like to be. But you have to show the effect of one for alone first. Anything right. you right. go to the combo. Yeah. Right. Um. So, what? What have we learned? And you've kind of touched on this already. Um, what have we learned from pharmacological treatment of other disorders that we can apply to stuttering and just help us understand why we think it's possible that a medication might one day help um, reduce or eliminate stuttering? And, yeah, and you sure. have touched on this quite a bit already. Yeah, I just yeah. want to give you a chance to add anything. Sure, right. Just because, you know, stuttering, we, we do know there are brain differences in those who stutter. And I don't use the term disorder, even though APA does, I think there might be something that makes us um, a positive benefit 
from stuttering. Mm -hmm. We've seen this, right? So, but how we treat this difference mm -hmm. is that there are similar conditions of say obsessive compulsive, right? Mm -hmm. John Hendrickson, great guy, was just at his book signing last week. He mm -hmm. talked about that obsessionality in, in his book. He and I kind of shared that uh, together, the social anxiety, others. The study is showing people who stutter, we do have higher levels. Many of us, is it related to stuttering? Is that how we're wired, if I may use that term, mm -hmm. that you know we can treat social anxiety through psychotherapy and, and biologic therapies together. When I just say beyond pharmacology, my friend, Dr. Busan and others are using transcranial magnetic stimulation, you know, magnets mm -hmm. and currents, you know, you can also treat depression that way. So I look at this and say, we're not that much different than others who deal with and struggle with other brain conditions that affect anxiety and motion and things like that. So mm -hmm. That's why I say if that's already there and there's been more science and more studies done there, why can't we apply that to stuttering to see if we may, may also help more in our community? Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Um, what else would you like to share? What else well, well, I just we talked about? Well, I just want to thank you, Trisha. I think, you know, there's so much important um, on my journey as well, too, that I it's that uh, having that open mind and being able to join groups and talk about stuttering, you know, having joined NSP years ago and, and uh, uh, morphing into the NSA and uh, the work that the WSN is, is doing and spreading the word. Uh, also other groups, you know, like friends and, and uh, others, just to understand that, you know, there's others out there and support is very important. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I'm really pleased that now we have electronic communication as much as I used to avoid the phone. Mm -hmm. um, it's nice that we can go through the world now and get this word out that um, a person uh, that there is, there are resources to help you as a person who stutters and to uh, that's our mission here uh, at the nonprofit of the world stuttering network mm -hmm. uh, for those of us um uh, to provide that support and will be that vehicle uh, to all of you, that resource to, when there is new information to provide that. And you yourself, you're in control, the person who stutters. Mm -hmm. you, you, know, you can make that uh, cognitive decision yourself about where you're going to go for your, if you want help and what level of help uh, assistance you may need. Um, the next is we are diverse. There won't be one type of talk therapy. There won't be one type of support. There won't be one type of medication that's going to help everyone. Uh, we've seen that even with talk therapy. Some people will work well with one therapist or not. Mm -hmm. So you're in control. So as we uh, do the work, uh, even the medicines for blood pressure don't work in everyone. Mm -hmm. But at some point, medicine, my field, needs to do what's called personalized medicine. We are mm -hmm. there with cancers mm -hmm. in that we understand what type of cancer it may be, genetic markers, et cetera, then use the type of medications or chemotherapy, whatever, to treat that. Right now, we're using a blanket approach to everyone who mm -hmm. stutters or everyone with high blood pressure or everyone with depression. When we understand what's unique about us, then if that individual wants, we tailor that therapy specifically based upon what is unique for that person. We're not there yet. So when you see a group effect, there are, there are, there, there's a message here that a 
some of our medications can work in a subset of individuals, mm-hmm. right? But who are those? And how can I, f- what is different? Our genetics don't explain 100% of stuttering. Our, uh, we do know that I think there is an environmental influence to stuttering, be it an inflammatory response. We've even seen people who develop stuttering after COVID or after COVID shots or something to the inflammatory response. We don't know. So we're seeing a symptom here, which we hear as, stuttering, whatever the hesitations, the blocks, Mm -hmm. but we are as diverse within the stuttering community as we are. There are differences to why we stutter. And that's why one type of at least biologic treatment will not fit all. And that'll be my mission over hopefully the next uh, couple decades of my life uh, uh, to get this, to help solve this. I love hearing all that, the individualization of medicine and using a team approach, combinations of of medical professionals, health professionals, education, all those kind of coming together to meet the needs of each individual. It's a um, it's a hefty task to get all these people on board. Um, and it's probably it, it doesn't always feel like it's the most efficient way or the most um cost effective way like but to to find better and more effective ways to get everybody on board in in helping someone um that's that's a, a great mission thank you thank you very much so thank you um dr mcguire for being on our podcast today we appreciate all that you are doing for the world and all that you are doing for the stuttering community um you you are our champion so we thank you so much thank you very very much trish and i'm pleased to be uh playing a central role with the wsn i appreciate it very much To learn more about creating or developing support group systems in your area, check us out at www.worldstutteringnetwork.net.